What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and this is the Foiling Series, Episode 14, with special guest Robert Selleck of Blue Planet Surf. I have been a fan of uh, Robert, what they do at Blue Planet for a long time, you know, back from when I started getting into stand-up surfing. Um, I believe that they do a better job than anyone out there at their, you know, breakdown tutorial videos and some of those have upwards of like 650,000 views now from what I was looking at so uh, I believe that you know any waterman out there has probably gained some little nugget of wisdom from Robert along the way with those kind of numbers so it's cool to have him on the show um, and yeah I think you guys will all learn some from him we it's a foiling show we dive deep into foiling we talk a little bit of flow states uh, near the end of the show because he listened to the foil uh, the flow series episode with Chris Rasman and, and that resonated with him so we dive into that a little bit too we get into the wing uh, sling wing hand kite discussion for a little bit because I just got mine and I was picking some questions off of him on that so you guys will probably enjoy that and yeah just a good conversation so i'm uh, stoked robert thanks for coming on the show it was good to uh, to catch up and i hope that you all enjoy this episode before we dive in this show is brought to you by an upcoming foil surf camp um, i've mentioned it on the show a little bit before i have a facility with chase costerlitz down in costa rica blue zone and we've decided to do a Blue Zone foil camp, and we've partnered with Brian Finch from Foil the World. I think he's leading the charge in foiling, breaking down technique and gear online. I think, you know, I thought for a long time that he'd be a great partner for this, and uh, he's a good dude. You know, he's on the show before. He's coming on again soon. We're going to talk about the camp and what to get out of it. And that is December 7th to 14th. Check out foil surf, Blue Zone foil surf or hit up Brian uh, uh, at Foil the World on Instagram if you are interested in coming down. He can share all those details with you. But it's not a beginner camp. You've got to be able to catch waves, fly um, before uh, before you can come down to the camp. But um, I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I'm only bummed that it's a week and I can't be there. So that's that's bumming me out. I'm gonna I'm hoping that I'll be able to sneak in. So. Uh, but I, I, I probably won't be there, but but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Um, all right, guys, let's dive in with Robert. Hope you enjoy, and thanks for all the uh, love, feedback, support. Appreciate it. What's going on, Robert? Thank you, man, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Eric, for having me. Appreciate it. Um, so when I was getting into foiling, uh, as with when I was getting into stand-up, your videos are right there helping everybody get educated on this stuff. And when when did you start doing the instructive video series? Ooh, um, well, I read I think I registered our YouTube channel back in 2007, but then I didn't really post much for the first few years and then um you know, started just making a few videos here and there and realizing how effective it is. You know, originally I started with a blog, um, blogging and, you know, written blog. And then I realized the videos get way more attention. So we just started focusing more on the videos. Yeah. And you can learn a lot more from the video too. You know, I, I like the podcast medium because I like having the conversations, but it's also like probably because I'm a little bit lazy. And I mean, I think the video is exponentially more work. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love the podcast too. I like to listen to them when I'm driving because, you know, obviously you can't watch a video while you're driving. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the videos, you know, they, they say a picture is a, like a thousand words and a video is even more words, right? So it definitely is effective. Right on. All right. So, so this is a foiling show. So when were you first exposed to foiling? Um, was it like the kite foiling, I'd assume, out there in Hawaii? Um, no, you know, I never really got into kite foiling. I mean, I, I and never really got that much into kiting. I, I, I started windsurfing. I, like I've been windsurfing since I was a young child and that's actually what brought me to Hawaii originally. So, 
but foiling, you know, my friend, my friend, Jeff Chang, he had like this kite foil and uh, he was like, let's learn how to foil. Like right after that Kylan Lenny video came out where he was like downwind foiling on a big race board. And that was just like, we were like, oh, we want to do this, you know? So uh, Jeff had a, a kite foil with a really long mast and we were like towing behind this jet ski, trying to figure it out and, and just like wiping out and getting hurt and just realizing, oh, this is really difficult. You know, we thought, okay, we can figure this out, but it took us like several times and we didn't have any instructions. We didn't know what we're doing at all. So it was really hard at first, you know? Yeah, I, I watched um, but, some of the videos from like, Rob Vampiros, who was on the show, he was, you know, really early into foiling in Australia and, and the same thing where they're adapting kite foils to surfing and just some of the wipeouts behind boats. That was gnarly, man. It's like, oh, I think yeah. foiling is one of the things that's probably good to have waited a year or two to get into way safer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love his video where he duct tapes the board to the biggest <laughs> board. That's so classic. But yeah, yeah, that, those were the early days and we didn't really have the equipment. We were trying to get the GoFoil Kai foil and waiting for that and it took forever to get one. And then, you know, but then when, when we finally had one of those, it was like, oh, okay, this is so much easier, you know? So then, you know, then it was kind of game on trying it on, on waves and, and uh, just really got hooked on it right away. When did you have the thought of this is really going to be a huge thing? Because right at the beginning, it, you know, I, I was a little skeptical on, on the whole thing. Um, when did you, when did you oh, think, me, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take off? I mean, me too. I always thought, oh, this is never going to be a, a, you know, a mainstream thing because it's so difficult to learn and, and such a niche thing. But then um, I guess just when we started putting out videos about it and just seeing the numbers of people that are interested, like, you know, it just like blew up, you know, I was like, huh how can so many people be interested in this, you know? Um, but yeah, and we get, you know, started getting calls at the shop and then we started making, you know, boards and, and we got like people calling and pre-ordering them, even though we didn't have them in stock for months and, and stuff like that. So it was just like a huge, we just saw a huge demand for it. You know, people were just got excited about the idea of it. Why do you think that people get so hooked on this? That's something I like to explore. Well, I mean, I think that this, uh, it's so efficient, you know, and, and it's quiet and it's fast and, and you can do it in, um, in any kind of ways, you know? And then I, I think that what I'm super excited about too now is the wing foiling because it kind of opens up foiling to anybody, you know, how stand up paddling you can do in any waterway. Um, and you don't even need wind, you know, at least you need, you do need water and wind for wing, wing foiling. But it's just way more accessible to people on, you know, in Europe, on the mainland, you know, that people that don't live on the coast, they can now get into foiling through the wings, you know, the wing foiling. Yeah, I, I got mine about a little over a week ago. I've had a uh -huh. couple sessions on a land board and now two sessions in the water and uh -huh. I can fly it, you know, like on my heel. I, I don't know how you how you describe like which way you're going front side or backside. I, I don't understand any of the yeah, vocabulary. Heel side or toe side, I guess is the way I, I describe it. Okay. Yeah. So he, heel side is like cutting on your heel, right? Like kind of leaning right. back on your heels. So, so yeah, no problem flying right. it on the heels, on the, on the toes, making that transition to, to go back to the heels. I've had some spectacular wipeouts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gnarly. Yeah. I mean, the white parts are definitely gnarly because you're, you know, high falling from high up and then the, the wing can get in front of you and yeah. I got some pretty cr crazy wipeouts too. Yeah. But, um, but it's part of the fun. Yeah. No, I agree that that's going to be a very cool thing. I, I don't think for me it would replace surfing at all. Like if there's surf, but you know, if right. it's, if it's flat or I'm away from the ocean, like, yeah, it was cool. I was surprised how fast I could get going in like 15 mile an hour, you know, it was like 12 to 15 and I was going pretty legit fast. Um, yeah, start. no doubt. I mean, once you're up on the foil, there's so little drag that you kind of create your own wind. It, it like it actually increases the pressure in the wing when you're flying. You know? So it's like you you almost get overpowered when you you know even though you can barely get up on the foil. Once you're up on the foil, it's like you're overpowered. Yeah, and being able to pump yeah. a foil seemed to help a lot. Like because once I could get up, I could kind of pump to get that speed, and then I could really feel what you're talking about there, where you're creating your own lift essentially it's kind of like on a foil like if you pump faster you know you've got more lift it's easier to pump you can keep accelerating right 
Yeah. And then the closer you get to the surface, closer to breaching, then you go even faster, right? So then it's almost like you have to slow it down again. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, I mean, I think it definitely having a background in foiling and also for me, windsurfing helped me a lot, you know, so it was actually pretty easy for me to pick it up. But I think for others that don't have that same background, it's, you know, definitely there's a learning curve there, you know, for sure. Yeah. Are you switching stances from when you go to heel side to toe side? Are you actually doing it like you would on a windsurfer where you're, you're jumping around to riding switch stance or are you staying the same stance? Yeah. I've just been staying in the same position. I haven't tried to switch my stance. Um, okay. And I've, I've been using a, a front foot strap on my board, which I kind of like. But, I mean, it's also kind of dangerous because if, if you wipe out and you don't get it out quick enough, then it can be, you, know, you can get kind of stuck in it. But, um, yeah, so I haven't really tried to, do, to switch my stance from one side to the other. Um, and it's actually, you know, at first I thought it would be un- really uncomfortable, but it's actually okay. You get kind of used to it just being like kind of have your body a little bit twisted yeah. going one direction. Um, yeah. So on a, on a more global question, do you think it's more dangerous just to use one strap or to use two? Because I'm seeing a lot of guys using one strap, but it seems like you get your knee all messed up if you can't get out. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, hard to say. Uh I mean, getting both feet stuck in your straps is pretty gnarly too in a whiteboard. Um, you know, from just from windsurfing, I've 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 done used foot straps for a long time, so I'm kind of used to it. And it seems like maybe it's an Oahu thing, but here, almost everybody here uses one foot front foot strap and no strap in the back, and it kind of allows you to move your back foot forward or back as as needed, mm-hmm. which is nice. But you still have kind of that solid connection to the board with your front foot. It helps with pumping and just control and turns and stuff like that. So. It, it seems to work well and yeah everybody here is doing that so i'm like um ah, seems to work pretty well <laughs> right on. But i i i use two straps too for a while which is nice and then you can do aerials and things like that but it does kind of restrict your freedom of movement when you're when you're up on the foil you know can't move your foot around so yeah are, are you mostly on sup foils a lot of the videos i've seen you on you're, you're riding sup foils <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, I I mostly stand up foil. Um, I I've done prone foiling, but I have like some, I have these weird ribs that kind of get hurt, start hurting, like from, oh yeah, from, like broken ri- broken ribs in the past and stuff like that. But, um, so for me is just that. Plus, I can just catch waves easier, get get around, get back out easier, and things like that. So I I just been mostly on my stand up foil board. Although I I do love being on a, on a small surf surfboard yeah once i'm up on the foil it's great but um just getting up to 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 that point is harder yeah i i think that like a lot of your spots lend themselves towards sup foils too you know like when i'm down in costa rica you've been down there you've surfed some of the spots down there it's like the stand-up foil is so killer yeah i briefly met you down there yeah Yeah. hanging out with oscar and yeah 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 um, yeah, that one reef I saw you out on that one day, you, I think you were riding a 20. It was awesome. Uh, uh was that you that and your buddy? A, yeah. Yeah. That was so much fun. That's such a beautiful spot. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, stand up foil is the call out there for sure. Mm-hmm. Kind of get to float around. I mean, I, yeah, that, that was before the days of foiling. So we were just on regular boards, but, uh, yeah, that was super fun. And my, my friend Fabrice who lives, he lives kind of closer to Tamarindo. He's really into foiling now, and he, he found some really good spots, I guess, where he can get like super long rides, and it's like a perfect way for foiling out there um, close to Avellanas. Oh man, I love that spot. Uh, I, won't, I won't name it, but yeah, it's it's really good out there. Yeah, there's some. Uh, I probably I know which wave you're talking about. The first sub contest yeah. I surfed ever was probably at that wave. Um, oh, really? big old offshore thing. Uh huh. Be my yeah, guess. Beautiful spot. Yeah. Um, so uh you guys are doing your own boards you're doing uh are you guys doing your own wings too now yeah yeah uh no no i haven't gotten into wings um and i i don't know if we will because i don't you know it's mostly like the uh, kite surf companies or people that have experience designing um those kind of no it is yeah i mean and i think a lot of people are just putting out stuff just to have something but um you know, you do have to do some R and D and design work and, and all that. And I just don't, I, I don't have the background in it. So I don't know even where, where we get started. And, you know, we make our own fo- boards and also our own foils. 
And it's definitely, you know, like foils are, are so, um, there's so many things to consider that it's definitely not an easy thing to make, you know, um, let, and let's, to make, make well. Let, let's <laughs> talk about, let's yeah. talk about the design process in foil. That's what I've been geeking out on over the last, like two months. I've been getting my hands on every, every foil that I can get my hands on to test them and feeling the difference. And I cannot, the, just the, the, the different amount of feels that you can have under foils that when I got into the sport, I figured it was going to be, you know, like you buy one foil and but boy, was I wrong. I mean, there's like, it's going to be, you're going to need a bigger oh. quiver of, of foils than you're going to need a surfboards, which is <laughs> <laughs> insane. Yeah. It's true. It's true. I mean, yeah, it is. Um, for, I mean, every little thing makes a difference too. You add a little washer and then all of a sudden the thing totally different. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a little slightly different angle of attack and it's just like a millimeter or something like that. You know, you're like, wow, this is, crazy you know yeah it's but, nice. um yeah i mean and i i have to say i really love your podcast and i learned a lot from just listening to the other uh you know spoiled designers and stuff like that really good stuff so oh, um, thanks man and i just I, and i you know that kind of motivated me to make that video i released recently about just you know all about foil design and what to look for in a foil and stuff like that and what to consider so um but yeah i mean there's so many variables and definitely like um, I mean, I think it's great that you're trying so many different foils too. I've, I've done that for a long time, but you know, on the other hand, if you want to get really good at, at it, you have to also just kind of just focus on just using one foil, at least for, you know, several days in a row to kind of really, um, oh, kind yeah. of jive with it, you know? Yeah. yeah 100%. I, I dive into a foil and, and basically ride it exclusively for a few weeks is the way that I right, kind of right. go through it. Yeah. It's pretty cool what you can learn. Right now, I'm on the uh, MFC Hydros 1250, and oh yeah, wow. things blowing my mind like every day. And then you know, I, every foil blows my mind though. Like <laughs> I'm like yeah. a grom like that. Um, that's but awesome. The, yeah, thing, I mean that's the one Kylen uses too, right? The, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there's no drag. It's the fat you have to maintain. Like probably, I mean for my weight, like 195 pounds. Like oh, I don't know, probably. 13 15 you know like to just keep it flying mm -hmm. for me but if you stay there you can mm -hmm. keep it there it's it's nuts right, um right right so so when you started to design foils um mm -hmm. how did you start that process and did you take did you think did you look at the market and say i want to design a wing that does this like a foil that does this or did you you know what's the what's the process like and how does it start so, I mean, I, I was working with a um, CAD designer that's uh, like an aeronautical engineer and, and also like designed some foils for like sailboats and stuff. Okay. So, um, you know, I depended a lot on him on, on a lot of the details, but basically my philosophy was, you know, everybody's just learning the sport. So we want to make a foil that's as easy as possible to learn, you know, and that would, it's reflected in the name too. We called it the easy foiler. Okay. Um, so that the goal was just to make it easy, um, easy to handle, um, good for like, you know, yeah, to get up at lower speeds and easy to control and stable and all that kind of stuff. So that was my main objective just to make it as accessible as possible, basically for that first, first generation of foil. And then, uh, we, we just came out with our second generation, which, which is called the Carver foil, okay. which is a little bit more per performance oriented, you know, like a little bit thinner profile of the higher speeds. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of improvements in construction that we learned from our first generation. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, just a evolution, but definitely the first generation that my, my main objective was to make it as easy as possible and same, same with the boards really. Yeah. Um, what are the characteristics then that make a foil easy? <clears throat> well, I would say having the thicker profile, definitely um is more forgiving you know like you said like the, the thin profile is fast and has less drag but it's also more sensitive to like small changes in in the angle of attack and uh and then you know just as soon as you slow down a little bit it drops off easier and you know you need more speed to get it up so you know it takes a, a you know more you know, a little bit more skill to ride for sure you know so that's one thing is that it's having a little bit thicker full uh, profile, um, just, just also a little bit lower aspect, I would say, and then um, having a not too much curve in the foil, so it's more stable 
the, the flight is a little bit more stable. Um, has, you know, having some directional stability so it doesn't start sliding sideways and stuff like that. So, you know, some things I just learned from using other foils and being like, oh, you know, I would change this and this and just started playing around with with it. And we, we made some prototypes out of, um, you know, G10 fiberglass, like milled, CNC milled. So they were like super heavy. Like the, our first prototypes weighed like 30, 40 pounds, just the front wing, you know. And, uh, oh, wow. that was, int- that, that was interesting too, because it's like, a, it will have it's like having a huge brick under the board, but, um, and I thought it'd be really hard to ride, but surprisingly it worked really well. It was very stable in the water. And when, you know, underwater, you don't really feel the weight of it. You know, it actually made the board more stable and then in the water, it felt really solid. So I was like, wow, you know, having the weight is in, in the foil, especially at the bottom of the foil is not necessarily a, a bad thing actually, you know? So, um, you know, everybody now is like super focused on the super light equipment, which is, it does make it easier to pump in certain things, but having, you know, it's kind of like boards too. Like sometimes having a little bit more weight in the board is a good thing, right? Like if you're dropping in on offshore winds and stuff like that, um, you know, can be an advantage. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's. I'm trying to wrap my head around a 30 pound foil, like. Yeah, you know, I mean, nuts. like when on, on sailboats they have those keels with lead in them, right? So right. to keep the the boat, boat stable, and and that's kind of the same effect that 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 wing uh, that you know the wing had that was super heavy. It, it's almost like having a keel under your board, you know. So, uh, yeah, I was surprised. Like it was like a definitely a learning experience for me. I I thought it wouldn't work because it was too heavy, and then I was like, wow, this thing is great, you know. Yeah. So it definitely well, had some advantages. Yeah, I mean, I think the same thing a little bit about like the e-foils. I had a buddy. I have one buddy who rides e-foils uh, all the time in big surf, the whole thing, and then another friend uh-huh. who um, rode it a few times. Ended up kind of getting hurt, smashed his face on it. But he was saying mm-hmm. that when he was like dropping into bigger waves, the weight of the board was making him accelerate like way faster than when he was on like a normal foil board. You know, like the the weight mm, was yeah. actually helping him. I mean, I guess helping him and holding it down too, to where it might have been. You know, might be getting overlifted. Um, so I yeah. thought a lot about like the weight in the board, but never that much weight at the bottom. It'd probably be a lot more stable to have that weight down yeah. low. Yeah, I mean, totally. And then, yeah, especially in offshore conditions, like we get a lot having a board that's too light is actually you know makes it much harder to take off because it just tends to blow you out the back, right? So, um, yeah it's you know lighter weight is, is good for some things but it's not always always good you know it's having super light gear basically yeah no I, you know that's interesting that you said that because um i'm doing my next round i design boards on a very small scale that you know I just I yeah i know it. and mm-hmm. the my next foil boards coming out one of them is my take on like a mid-length foil board. i love riding mid-length surfboards and i like the the weight of them you know and so I'm, it's going to be like glassed heavier, um, kind of like round, round nose thing. But, you know, everybody's going to be going re- super light. And this is going to be kind of the opposite of that, just to, f- to feel what it feels like. I mean, it's not going to be heavy, heavy, but it'll be like a you know, mid-length type glassing, poly blank, double stringer. Um, yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Could be. Yeah. We'll and, see. Uh, and, you know, everybody, every, <laughs> yeah. And kind of, you know, like I've heard a lot, like a lot of guys went shorter and shorter and shorter on their prone boards. And then now they're going a little bit longer again. Cause yep. it's just like so hard to ride those tiny boards, you know, but you know, once you're up, it's nice, but, um, but you know, not really practical in a lot of situations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I'm going to keep a small, small board for, you know, really small days when I just kind of want to pump around, but mm-hmm. otherwise I've gone back up to like four, nine, five Oh, and I like that. I like how early you can get in. Um, just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no doubt that a smaller board is easier once you're up on the foil. I mean, definitely. It was a revelation to me, like when you use a smaller board, like, wow, this is so much better once you're on the foil. It is. But you know, there's always, it's always a trade-off, you know, like it just makes it that much harder to catch the wave or to, you know, paddle back out and so on. So you have to have a nice compromise between, between those two things. Yeah, I I bounced back and forth between sup foiling and prone foiling, and I had a really small prone board mm-hmm. for a long time, and my sup board, which is like a 
a five mm. five, and mm. I was just amazed at how the sup was hitting coming back into the whitewater. And how I kept getting worked on the on the prone board, and then when I went up to a bigger size on the prone boards, that became so much easier. Um, that if you're oh, surfing yeah, close like to the pocket, the, bouncing the board off the white water, yeah, yeah, definitely having a little bit more volume in the board helps with that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, talk about your your sup foil boards, um, like what what you think about as far as the most key um, design elements in a sup foil board, like how short is too short. Um, you know, like, how do you see that whole okay. thing? Um, yeah, I mean, I've like, I use a five, eight now originally, I think when I first started, oh gosh, I, I started on the eight O and then I went to six eleven and six, six, six O. And then now I'm in a five, eight. So I kept, you know, going smaller and smaller. And for me, like I'm 195 pounds. I like have around 110 liters of volume like when i go below that it just kind of makes it harder and harder and it's i don't see the sense in going super low volume because that it doesn't seem to improve the handling that much once you're up on the foil i mean so i I find it's more like about the size the size and the swing weight so um but yeah basically what i try to do in in, on the bottom is um, make it make it um you know have good tracking and lift um, basically, you don't want the board to kind of stick to the water. You want it to kind of release and, and not have water kind of sticking to the board itself. And then, uh, you know, been playing around with different tails too. And, and definitely having that, like a kick in the tail helps with the takeoff. Like I just find the, I, I'm able to kind of pump the board while it's still on the water and, and yeah. engage the foil really early. So just having, you know, a lot of basically a rocker and, and a, like a, that tail kick really helps with uh, engaging the foil earlier, which is kind of a more advanced thing. So for beginners, sometimes it's good to just have a flat tail because they can get a little bit more speed and, and catch the wave easier. Um, th- that's why we still have the, the original easy foiler with a flat tail that I think is just easier for people to learn on. But um, yeah, our carver foil has a pretty um, pretty aggressive kit tail. And then the you know beveled rails definitely help making you know, with the, also the water release and then having being able to have steeper turns and more neutral when you touch down slightly in a turn, things like that. And then obviously getting clearance from that the kick tail as well when you're turning on the foil. Um, and then the nose, I, I use like a really kind of a rounded bottom nose, kind of like the race boards with a, with a big fat rounded nose. Mm-hmm. Called, I call it the boofy, the boofy nose. Um, that that works for race boards really well in, in kind of choppy conditions or like light downwinders and things like that. And that kind of shape works really well on the foil boards because if you if you touch down slightly, it's very forgiving. Right. Um, versus like if you have a hard rail or concave in the front, it kind of tends to kind of slap down or stick or or kind of catch catch the rails and stuff like that. So. Um, Basically, the hard I have hard rails in the back, but then towards the front they just um, get all rounded, you know. Yeah. Um, and that that seems to work well. And then, you know, in in the middle, you obviously need to be flat where the for the plate mount. Um, so that kind of limits the, um, you know, you can't really do a double concave in the tail, uh, which we had originally. But then I realized, yeah, I can't really do that with the plate mount in the back. So. Uh, I made kind of a flat panel in the middle and then have two concaves on the side. Um, and that seems that works really well because you get like lift and, and uh, tracking. Yeah. But you can still have the center flat, you know. So, yeah, I mean, but that's kind of one of the things that limits the design a little bit is having to have that flat spot in the back. Yeah. Um, but I've been kind of trying to think of different ways to do that. I know some guys do double concave in the front. But then, yeah, it's kind of weird to have it run into a flat middle in the back, I think. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. T- two thoughts on that. I haven't ridden, it seems like the, the the trend right now is kind of that super deep double in the front. Um, yeah. You know, Freedom's doing that. Um, a couple other people are doing those too. K- KD is doing those, I think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't surfed one of those yet, but I wonder in when you're hitting if it if it's sticky, you know. And I I think the feedback would be that it's not because I, you know it seems that's the trend. But but I haven't tested those yet. I, I do similar to what you're doing, kind of a kind of like a a, a pretty fat vo- like a lot of volume in the nose. 
um, mm-hmm. a lot of V, and then a double chine. I find that the chines mm-hmm. when I when I hit the water just release right away, and I like that a lot. And yeah, you know, I guess you're sacrificing probably tracking on that. It's almost like a boat a boat hull, which I feel like there's so much. I feel like you should always borrow where the science is the best. And there's so much science behind boat hull design and what sticks and what right. doesn't on water that it was pretty easy to just study that for a little bit and be like, all right, I'm doing chines. Um, yeah. Which, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, to, to I keep mean, I bottom... think it's a little bit different too. Yeah. I think it's a little bit different for a really short prone board than a stand-up board too. Cause I think on a really short prone board, if, if you come down, from a breach or something, there's no recovery anyways, but on the standups, you can sometimes kind of recover, you know, because you just have more surface area of the board and kind of can touch down and, and lift off again, you know? Right. Um, and that a lot of people that are starting out, that happens a lot, you know? And, and so for, for that, um, I think having that, you know, like a more forgiving nose entry is, is definitely better than a double concave, for example, or a single concave Yeah. in my, in my experience anyway. Um, the argument for yeah. Tuttle would be to be able to continue um, bottom contour through the board, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, originally all the boards were all, my boards were all Tuttle only, and then yeah, when we um, added the the plate mount, I realized, oh yeah, I can't do these sh- bottom shapes anymore. I can't do a double concave in the tail. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I wonder if there's a way to have an adjustable Tuttle somehow. Or something um, that's less. Like yeah, the, I mean, the plate does really change bottom contour. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it's true. I mean, Tuttle. Yeah, I mean, if I think if you have it in the right place, then it, you don't really need to adjust it that much. And I mean, I think the advantage of Tuttle is that it's just way stronger. I mean, from mm-hmm. connecting to the top, top and bottom, you know. And uh, that's why we basically designed that our foil strong box to be basically combine both the Tuttle and the plate mount together in one in one solid construction that basically makes the plate mount also connect to the deck oh that's rad what do you do it in a high density foam yeah so it's like a um you know like it's basically a tuttle box with a bigger bottom plate that incorporates the two um plate mount boxes in in all connected together and it has like a stringer down the middle um that connects to the wood stringers in the board and then, yeah, high density foam kind of packaging the whole thing together. So, and then you know the the boxes are basically um, carbon glassed into the into the plate on the bottom. So it's super solid. And yeah, um, I just find like a lot of times that's the weak spot. Like you always find the weakest link is where where you find damage or flex and stuff like that. So, and it seems like on a lot of a lot of times it's not so much the foil but the board that that's the weak spot right now. You know. So that's why we designed a, a box that was that's like super strong. One hundred percent, I agree with you about the boards being the weak spot. I recently just blew out a bunch of boxes on boards. You know, it's like when I started learning yeah. how to pump pretty good. Like the the boxes weren't weren't holding my my weight jumping up and down on them. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I mean, pumping is really intense, and and also, you know, like even even if it doesn't break, you know, the flex is also you know affects the efficiency yep. you know so if you have a, a you know if in the plate mounts if it only connects to the bottom glass like even if you know even the stringer but like if the even if you put in high density foam but it doesn't connect to the top it's really it is a lot of movement and it you know it weakens the bottom layer of the glass and, and everything and I'm not, i think you really need to have it connect to the deck somehow yep yeah i mean yeah. um after doing that doing this next round of boards i kind of figured out this way to do dual stringer stringers on the outside of features boxes so that they're connected but yeah. you don't actually cut through them so it's basically like an ib yeah. that runs through the whole yeah. board and because i hate any flex in a board you know i was just talking to yeah. uh, i'm doing my glassing with uh with with ryan at earth technologies and kind of like the mm-hmm. whole eco you know zero waste stuff and oh, cool he was talking about, you know, he's got some of these Kevlar layups and some other stuff. And I'm like, nope, I just want S cloth or carbon because of the two hardest <laughs> dual stringers. I don't want any flex. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny in surfing guys always talk about, you know, how important flex is and stuff like that. And, and I agree, you know, in, in the tail, it's nice to have flex for, for like cutbacks and stuff, but yeah, in a full board, there's actually no no use for flex really you, you don't want i mean you like the more direct you're you can transfer the energy the better i think i mean you know 
Like yeah. I think little, maybe a little bit of flex, like when you're winding up for a turn and stuff like that, and a little bit torsional flex in the mass is not actually yep. a bad thing. But as long as it's kind of a snappy, responsive flex and not just like a noodly flex, you know. And it's the same thing in stand-up paddles. Like sometimes people say, like, oh yeah, a soft paddle is easier on your shoulders. But yeah, is it worth giving up all that? You know, the loss of power when you're putting the paddle in and the thing just bends and it's like what you know. Yeah. You're just losing a lot of energy, right? So anyway. hundred yeah. percent agree with you on that too. Just do a really yeah. small blade and a really stiff battle. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. Do you still sup, sup uh, surf much or, or has foiling taken over? <clears throat> well, I mean, I've yeah, for a couple of years, I pretty much just went only foiled, you know, like every, like every day I was kind of crazy about it. And then, um, but like this summer I, I got, kind of back into sub racing, you know, did the Molokai race and then the oh, Hawaii and, you know, like the, all the races again and um, kind of got back into that and, and enjoyed it. And, uh, and, you know, yeah, I, I still go on stand up surfing. And when you first go out, you feel like a total coup cause you, you know, your balance is way <laughs> off and everything. So, yeah. And then I'm trying to take off on the, you know, take off on the wave as if I'm on a foil board and then like I, I then I like curl the nose or whatever. Or do stupid stuff and, <laughs> But, you know, once, once you get back into it, I mean, I think it's good to to do both because then you don't lose it, you know. You, you, yeah. I I think it's like the guys that can do both are the true watermen. You know? So I try to uh, not to lose my abilities and end up surfing. You know? So it's yeah. good to do both, I think. <laughs> I went to paddle a shortboard the other day for the first time in, in like four or five months yeah. or something like that. I could barely paddle a shortboard. <laughs> it was like prone. Yeah. And it feels so slow when you take off. He's like, oh, what's going on? He's like trying to pump it and it's just like, ah, nothing's <laughs> happening. What's going on? You know, I can't make this section. You know, yeah. When, I mean, once you get used to foiling and the speed you can get, it's just, um, yeah, going back to regular surfing is kind of disappointing a little bit, yeah. Yeah. You know, like riding this uh, this MFC that I'm riding now, it's it's like the, the turns you can do are so tight and you can kind of go off the lip to where mm. it keep, it's, it's encroached a lot more a buddy like this morning was like, we, the surf is really good here. We got that hurricane sitting off the coast. It's like two to three, occasionally oh, yeah. four foot Florida style, which is like, you know, maybe head high on a set, but perfectly glassy. Yeah. And we've got this like bar that like the deep trench, you know, sandbar with the trench behind it. So for foiling, it's just dreamy. Um, awesome. and, I, and I surfed with a buddy I had surfed with for a little bit. And I was on that wing this morning. He's like, dude, it looks like you're shortboarding now. Cause it's like, you can just, you know, just go you know, top to bottom almost. It's, it's kind of nuts. Um, that's awesome yeah 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 i mean like guys like derek hama the way he surfs is is, yeah he's just like carving carving hard you know so i mean there's definitely a lot of stuff that that's just coming you know just starting really you know i think the possibilities you know do you see derek out there a lot oh yeah yeah we go out together a lot and you know he's been we've been learning to wing foil together and uh yeah he's a he's a good guy Dude, tell tell him yeah, to do I mean, the show. We, yeah. I've, I've asked him. Oh yeah, he said he was going to oh, do yeah, it, and now yeah. he hasn't done it. I, I want him to do it because I, I, I just I want to break down all the stuff that he's doing because he's, I mean, leading for the charge sure. yeah. in, in sup foiling for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I'll, I'll ask him to. I mean, we we've also been trying to learn how to downwind foil, and, and Derek Hamas probably has the most success, but I, I think he just kind of muscles through it. He like pumps and paddle through it more than using the bumps and but you know now with the wing foils it's like easy you know it's like all of a sudden it's going from a super hard thing to do it's like all of a sudden like oh this is so easy you know <laughs> like just you know riding the bumps with the with the assistance of the sailing you don't really need to pump much and it's like so much so much easier and more fun really when you're going doing downwind. that with with downwind on the on the wing surf or the swing wing whatever mm-hmm. you guys call them whatever we call them yeah hand kites um I've never like gone downwind on one. I've just gone kind of, what is it? Tacking or not tack jock. I don't know. Like back and forth. Like you would like mowing the lawn, like you do on a kite. Yeah. Um, Try to stay upwind. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing it when you, when you turn to go downwind, what are you doing with the kite? Uh, Well, I mean, you can't really go straight downwind. You have to kind of go maybe at a 45 degree angle. Okay. And then, you know, some, I mean, sometimes you can go at a steeper angle if you have like a bump or something pushing you a little bit, but Basically what happens when you turn too much downwind is that the wind just kind of, um, the pressure dies in your sail because you're kind of going at the same speed as the wind. 
and then all of a sudden there's no more pressure left in your wing. So, but as soon as you start turning at an angle again, then, you know, you, you got the apparent wind and, and you, the pressure picks up again. So you, yeah, that was kind of one of the mistakes that, um, Je- or Jeff kind of kept going too far, too straight downwind and he wasn't able to do it because he, you know, he, he wasn't going at an angle enough. But I mean, the reason we're doing it is kind of on the South shore here, there's like so much shallow reef and, there's only like in Hawaii, there's this channel we can go out the boat channel with the foils. And then, but once you're out outside the channel, you're pretty far offshore and it's straight offshore wind. So the only way to get back is, you know, probably paddling in and, uh, it's pretty far out there. So it's like, I will just go, go out here and then end up on, on, in Kahala, you know, downwind. And, and that was, it was a good way to learn because you don't have to worry about staying upwind and just kind of figure it out on, on the way. And then, if you can't do it, you can just drift, right? <laughs> or, or even just you can stand on the board and, and just let the wind pull you downwind. But it, yeah, so it's it was good good way to learn it. I think you just have to have enough time. Like one one time we went kind of late in the in the evening and um, I made it, but like I had to pick pick up J- Jeff and Derek. Like they they had to come in over the reef <laughs> oh, no. and in in, in in the dark. But I mean, I, well, Derek didn't have the wing that was before he got a wing. So he, he was trying to paddle and the wind was really light and he couldn't make it. And, and then Jeff also, they, they, they came in over the reef in, in the dark. That was pretty bad. Oh, man. Mm. That's yeah. sketch. For but sure. It's an adventure. It was an adventure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you get up on the hand kite, um, walk me through how you do it. I'm, that's what I'm kind of learning right now. Um, oh, okay. What's what's Robert's yeah. cheat sheet to getting up on foil? <clears throat> well, I mean, you know, I I just use a stand up foil board, and, and I know some guys use like sink sinkers, basically where they where they have to like stand up first and then lift up the kite, uh, you know, the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so on, for me, like if you have a board that floats, you um, just I get on my knees, you know, and then I have the sail, uh, the wing next to me. Uh, and you know, I leave it in the water until I'm up on my knees. Then I lift it up, put it over my head, kind of have it pulling me up more than forward, you know, cause yeah, you, d- you definitely don't want the tip to touch. So that's one of the important things to learn how to kind of have it pulling you more up than up and forward instead of sideways, you know, so keeping yeah. the tip off the water and, and controlling it at that angle. And then, um, yeah, then I just put my, I try to kind of center my back knee and foot. So it's kind of, like you know, it's as soon as you take the weight off your one your front foot or knee, um, you want the board still to be flat in the water, you know. So so then yeah, I put my front foot on the center, um, then then my back foot. Like I do front foot first, then back foot, and then you know stand on the board where I'm you know centered and balanced, and then yeah, slowly uh, you know get get some power in the wing or. Like sometimes you just have to wait for a gust too. So that's where the windsurfing background helps you just look upwind and look for like that, that ruffled water and look for a gust that, that's coming on, in the, on the lighter wind days, you know? Yeah. And then when, once you, you know, once you see the gust coming, you just um, pump, pump the sail and at the same time also kind of pump your board and engage the foil. And then once you're up on the foil, then, you know, you, you got the, you got a little bit of speed, then the wind actually increases, like because you got the apparent wind from your from your movement, and then it's usually pretty easy to keep it going once you're up, you know. But to get up, it definitely helps to be able to pump, and uh, you know, and, yeah, it depends on the wind too. Like if it's super windy, then that's not not the hard part to get get flying, you know. Right. But on a lighter wind day, and and right now I've only had the four meter. Uh, wing. I just got a new five meter wing, so I'm excited to try it in a little bit lighter wind, and maybe even get a bigger wing. Because have I you think tried... it's possible to do. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. Uh, so we got a little delay. I apologize. Have you tried uh, a bunch of different brands? How how much different is the feel between different brands of of hand kites? Um, so I've only tried the um, the Duotone four meter wing. Yeah. And then the um, the sling wing. Uh, 4.2 I think it is my friend Jeff's one I've only tried that a couple of times but one thing I've noticed with the sling wing who makes the sling wing uh, uh, slingshot okay yeah <laughs> and the duotone of- is the one with the uh, it's like the hard like handle right and then the yeah, it has sling like kind of wing almost is almost like a windsurfing type boom yeah, yeah right. aluminum boom 
Okay. And I really like that. I mean, for me, that that just felt natural because I'm I'm have the windsurfing background, and it's nice because you can slide your hand back and forth, and you don't have to like look at where to grab the handles and stuff like that. Just grab the boom. Okay. And that was felt very natural to me. So that I mean, the the duotone is really a great wing. Though the only downside I found is like when you hold it in the front on the front handle, it kind of tick tocks back and forth. It has like a really like um like a V shape to the wing. Um, and, and it like tick tocks from one, one plane to the other. So if you're, if you're neutral, you can't really hold the hold the wing just by the front handle. It starts to like, uh, get very unstable. Um, so that, that's kind of the only downside I've noticed on, on that wing so far. Gotcha. Um, I heard the, the ozone wasp is a really good wing and we're getting, we're getting a bunch of those. We have a bunch of those on order should be here in a couple of weeks. And, uh, uh, but yeah, and that, and, and also the F1 swing is supposed to be good. I think that's the one you got, right? I have the F1 swing five meter. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I haven't I, tried to try that one yet, but I heard that's a good one too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know anything about, you know, I, I know kite construction a little bit. It's built beautifully. It feels great. Yeah. You know, I have, um, in 15, you know, 10 to 15, I was getting up and flying and I don't really know what I'm doing. So I, I feel like that's a good sign. Mm. Uh, it likes yeah, to be. Good. It likes to be inflated correctly. Like a couple of times I underinflated it and had to go back in and reinflate it. it just didn't have as much power. It was a big difference in power with how, yeah, with how much yeah. inflation it had. For sure. I made that mistake Pressure. too to underinflate it and that, that it's no good. You know, like you definitely like a good way to test it too if you don't have um pressure gauges to like bend the tip of the, the wing, like the, the thin part of the thinnest part of the wing. And yeah. if you can kind of bend it easily, then it's not inflated hard enough. You want it to be kind of hard to to, to bend the tip of the wing, you know, where, where you really have to push it hard to be able to bend it. And that's yeah. what I found a good good way to check the pressure. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I found that that whole like pumping, like popping the wing almost, pulling it in really hard as you're like pumping is, is for me, it lets you get going really fast, really quick to get up on on foil. I hope that's not bad for your yeah. wing but no, no. I mean, that's what, yeah, no, that's definitely the kind of pumping the wing. You can create extra pressure uh, when you need it, you know, and that, and I find yeah too, that like, if you time it right with kind of pumping the wing and the, you know, and the foil at the same time, you can kind of almost create your own, um, your own wind, you know, or create your own uh, pressure. And then, and then that gets you going. And then once you're up then it's, it becomes easier. Yeah. So, and I, I see a lot of guys struggling with that. They're just getting off the water, you know, like they're, and sometimes they, they don't, they're not like, uh, they're like, also just from videos, watching videos and watching other guys doing it, um, uh, either not being in the right place with the feet, you know, like not being slightly off balance, that's an issue. Um, but the other thing is just not engaging the foil or, or being too far forward on the board or, or just not, you know, not being in the right position or, or be going too far downwind or, or, you know, things like that right that make it harder to, to take off but once you figure out how to take off and it's like yeah once you're up on the foil it's pretty awesome yeah <laughs> yeah well cool. I, I would recommend for someone who never windsurfed at all and has like five to ten days of kite surfing experience um if you can grab a land board that seemed to be a way to really dumb down the learning process to just focus on the wing and you know, yeah. after like two yeah. days of doing that, I was like, okay, I understand this. And then hopping on a board seemed pretty easy because, you know, you have the foil skills, you know, already. Yeah, definitely. I, I did that on a, on a skateboard in the parking lot first. And then, yeah. and then just, and yeah, whenever I show people, it's like always practice on the beach first and figure it, figure it out on the beach instead of in the water, because it's like takes way more effort to learn it in the water because yeah, every time you drop the wing, then you have to start all over again on, on land. It's so much easier to just um, try again you know yeah, yeah. you know one thing i didn't anticipate with with the wing at all was that you know i thought it was going to feel a lot like kind of like a windsurfer in my mind would feel which is kind of a lateral thing but what you said before is so true to where it's it, you're almost holding it up at like a 30 or 45 to where the lift is it's not necessarily just you know like, like uh perpendicular to you it's it's almost it's pulling you up too and keeping it up and kind of flying that leading edge up feels much more natural to me yeah exactly so that's one thing that's really different from windsurfing you, you kind of have to adjust your 
thinking, you know, that it, you want to kind of pulling up a little bit up and forward, right. not just, uh, not just uh, forward. Yeah. yeah. But then it's when you're going really fast and you're kind of high on the foil, sometimes, you know, and the wing is not too big, then you can, you can bring it down kind of almost vertical to like your windsurfing wing and, and you okay. get more speed. And also it keeps you from, from uh, breaching, I guess, because you, you know, if you have it pulling more forward than up, it's less likely to breach. You can oh, almost have sense. it pull you down, but down a little bit, but, but that's really only, yeah. If you, if you're trying to go super fast and stuff like that, like, a lot of times I like to just put it almost put it over my head and depower it completely and just like foil, you know, ride the foil instead of the wing. Yeah. Yeah. It, de- it just depends on the, the conditions and the what, yeah. So on. I, ho- I hope to get there soon. Um, so we only have about 10 yeah. minutes left, Robert. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like we should do this again in a few months cause there's a, about a thousand other things I'd like to talk about, but, um, we were talking yeah, briefly b- before, the show you mentioned the last show that I did with Chris Rasman on flow and you had some thoughts on that. So I'd, I'd love to hear them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and just to let you know, I'm going to be in, in Florida in January for surf expo. So I don't know, maybe that's an opportunity to meet up or something, but, um, yeah. So on flow. Yeah. So I listened to that one and I think it's super interesting. I've always been into, um, like looking at flow and, and I read a lot about, you know, kind of zen zen in the art of archery was a book i read when i was young and mental training and things like that and i think that all um i mean i think mental thinking about the sport in your mind is just as important as doing it on the water or, or in in reality you know like you can actually almost learn more by by training in your mind than than doing it physically i think but um but what i what i said earlier to you is that i think you don't necessarily have to do extreme sports to get into that flow state. You, I mean, I, I achieve it a lot of times just by doing something very repetitive, like just paddling in flat water. I used to train like at night in the marina here, like in flat water at night. And I just get into this total Zen like zone, you know, it's like meditation, you know, where I, my mind just becomes clear and, and empty and, and I don't have any, you know, no distractions and I'm just fully focused on what I'm doing, but it, it kind of, it's like an automatic motion. Like I don't have to think about what I'm doing, but um, yeah, I don't know. To me, that's like, I love, I love getting into that state, you know, the state of mind, but, and definitely like if you do something extreme, you have to be so focused that, that it kind of forces you into that state, but you can, I was just want to say, you can also get into it just by um, doing something that's, you know, becomes so natural that, you know, that it's kind of, it's meditative, you know? Yeah. Um, how does that state, you know, say the, the paddling meditative state differ for you than say, you know, first day on the the hand kite or foiling in in bigger surf, you know, in in that level of consequence, can you compare those two mental places? Oh, I mean, to me, like what what I'm doing on the wing wing foil now, I'm I'm think I'm so far away from being in a in a flow state. I think you, you need a certain level of um, competence and and being like where where you don't no longer have to think about it. You know, like right now for me, wing foiling is so new that I have to think about everything. It's like, oh, I gotta hold the front handle, or oh, I gotta do this and gotta do that. So, like, it's, I think it's very hard to get into a flow state if you're still learning. You know. But once once it becomes automatic and you don't have to think about it anymore, where you, you just do without thinking, that's when that's when you reach that flow state. I think you know like where you've done it so many times that your body just knows what to do. I guess like in that book, the Zen and the Art of Archery says like when the when the arrow just releases by itself, where you don't have to think about releasing the arrow, and mm-hmm. and the arrow just finds finds the target by itself, kind of thing. That's kind of when you achieve that state. You know like and where you don't no longer have to like your mind no longer no longer has to think okay now now i'm going to release the arrow it's just kind of it's almost like it slides through your fingers and 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 goes you know right so that and and that's kind of you know it, so it takes it takes kind of a lot of practice and and uh perfection or not i don't know if perfection is the right word but you know just practice to get to that state i think you know like so i'm i'm no nowhere near it with wing foiling yet <laughs> I'm, I hope I get there one day. You know, that's a that's something I really like to explore, and 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 that I've been thinking about a good bit too. You know, I kind of have this diagram. I take all these weird notes in this journal, but I have this diagram where, oh. you know, they on one side you've got like 
the Zen Buddhist monk. And on the other side, you have the guy who's flying the wingsuit through the keyhole. Oh, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, just a little bit bigger than his body. And you can compare certain aspects of those states, right? They're both kind of this unconscious mindlessness, but you know the chemical, mm -hmm. the the consequence, everything is 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 very different. And it that's one of the things that I like to do with the flow show moving forward is to try to understand. Like I I play music, right? And I'd say the the, the state of playing music, it's a, it's a pretty deep cool state like if you picture like a jazz musician like in the middle of of you know like a really incredible solo improv um versus right. someone who's you know kyleni surfing jaws like there's similarities in those mental states but then there's also like the fire hose effect of the consequence like and how quickly it drops you into like i don't know if it's fight flight or or or, or whatever but um i'm gonna have to think if, if you could do this for me if you could think about how would how you would approach those questions and maybe shoot me a note at some point because that's something that I really want to start talking to all these guests about and and I actually have a couple yeah. folks coming on hopefully soon who who have very different activities that kind of breach the consequential and then the you know meditative um, and I'd like to figure out the the correct way to have that conversation because I'm not you know a friend of mine yelled at me about saying I, I don't really know how to do this yet. But uh, but I don't really feel like I know how to have that conversation correctly yet. Um, so I'd love your insight, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm super interested in that, and definitely uh, love to talk. Would love to talk to it about it. Just could be a whole show by itself, I guess. Yeah, um, it could be. Yeah, I also find like you know just visualizing things, um, you know, not just for sports, but in life too. Like if if you have a clear vision of where you want your life to be, it's so powerful, you know, because then you know where where to go. You know, it's like you don't have to think about all the steps because you, you know what your vision is and, and you just kind of go towards it, you know? So I think that's, it's super valuable. Yeah. Uh, visualizing and, and getting into the flow state and, and just letting things happen. Yeah. Uh, nat naturally, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I feel like um, you are someone who, you know, I'm calling that series a life of flow and you fall into probably mm -hmm. the same category that I would fall into where you've built your whole life around the things you love. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know your background. Maybe you were pro back, you know, back before or whatever. But, you know, I was never pro at any of this stuff. I just love it. And so like I built my life in Costa Rica around the things that I love. And um, you've done the same thing seemingly in Hawaii. And so, yeah. you know, it's this cool um, way to just live as close to, 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 what you, to what you love and your passion. Um, I think it's cool. I think it's really rad when when there are people out there who have done that that act as, you know, role models or inspiration for other people who are working, you know, in nine to fiver and and kind of maybe not loving it as much. And there are ways to maybe live closer to your passion. So I think that's rad. Yeah, yeah. And I think I mean to me that's always been more important than the um, making money at it. I mean, of course, to be sustainable, you have to be able to make a living at it. But um, yeah, it's, to me, it's like having being able to do what you love is, is the most important thing that comes first. And then everything else is like after that, I think, but yeah. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question. So, sure, um, you know, like you've, um, you know, I, I love listening to your podcast and so on and, and, you know, being, being a YouTube creator, um, since we, we come out with new videos every week and, you know, I have help from other guys too doing that. So I don't have to do every single video, but I do a lot of it. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you like how, what motivates you to, to put out all the content? And, you know, I, I know it's a lot of work. So, yeah, what, how, how do you stay motivated? And, and, and what, yeah, what's your motivation behind the podcast? So, well, behind all the podcasts that I've done, I would say 100% of the motivation is, is just personal intrigue. Like, I'm super, like in the foiling world right now, I just, I want to get as, I want to understand it to the deepest level that I can, as fast as I can. And I wasn't getting anywhere. Same thing with stand-up, right? Like I, I really wanted to to dive pretty deeply into the sport um, and with foiling. And so I find that the best way to do that is to kind of create a circle and tribe around uh, the folks who are kind of the best at that. And then learn as much as you possibly can from them. And along the way, like doing it public facing is 
you know, helps everybody grow. I feel like, you know, like, you know, everyone listening to the podcast, I hope that they're getting better at foiling or learning something new because of the shows, because I know I am, and that's what I'm getting out of it. You know, at some point, you know, like in standup, a lot of stuff will happen too that you, you didn't see coming to where, you know, I started designing boards because I was testing everything and talking to everybody. And then I had some ideas on boards and they go pretty good. And, you know, that was a really fun project. Uh, who knows what will happen in, in foiling? You know, maybe there be something cool that comes out of it. Maybe there won't. Maybe it'll just help me get better and help other people. I don't know. How, why do you do it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think motivated. that's super, super, super valuable, actually, like creating kind of a knowledge base, you know, and, and, and yeah, I, I think you're doing a great job with that. And I guess it's a little bit, you're trying to just learn for yourself and, and that's why you're doing it too, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, for, for me, it's, it's, you know, one, one of the reasons is like, we get so many questions at the shop, you know, that people always ask. And, you know, I've got a lot of stuff to do in my office. So I don't always have time to come out and, and explain everything. And, and then, or a lot of times I, I find myself talking about the same thing over and over again. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to make a video about this, you know? So then, and then my employees can watch it and they can explain it too. If, it, if they need to, you know? So, so to me, like, that's one, one thing is like just being able to put out the information once and not having you know once in a good way and detailed way um then i don't have to do it over and over again basically <laughs> so that's, that's <laughs> one thing it's basically actually a time-saving thing you know but you know obviously it's also good good for our business you know like you know, people people know us through the videos i mean we have we yeah. had like over six six million views and sixteen thousand subscribers so Oh, and, and it's like a world, worldwide community. Like wherever I go, like when I go to Australia to a race, people are like, oh, can I take a picture with you? And blah, blah. It's like, I'm like a celebrity from YouTube, you know? And <laughs> That's like, awesome. Yeah, it's, like, it's not like, yeah, it's, I'm just a normal guy. But, you know, just because I'm on YouTube, people kind of like, it's kind of, I guess if you're in a movie, then you're famous, right? So, right. Um, and that's kind of the same effect that YouTube kind of has. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I love getting comments like when people are like, oh, this really helped me or, you know, oh, you know, like those kind of comments that that makes it all worthwhile for me. Like someone, you know, I just learned how to stand the paddle and, you know, the video about getting back up, how to get back up on the board really helped me out. It's just something as basic as that, you know, it's like, you know, just that they could get back on the board because they watch my video. It's like, that's awesome. oh, that's, that's re it's rewarding, you know, that that's probably one one of the, another reason why I like to do it, you know. Yeah, you, you know it's been interesting in doing both the uh, the, the stand up show and then and then this one. And now I think the flow show is actually something I'm going to focus on a lot because you know I've kind of lived my life around it, and I think it's something that is worth diving into, and it'll be a lot of fun to do. Um, but the, the two things are are one, the friends that I've made in the last few years after doing this have been like are really good friends because they're folks who have listened to a lot of my shows. And so it kind of like weeds out people that think a lot alike who share passions. And so that's been a really weird perk that I never thought about. Like I have, you know, really solid friendships mm -hmm. and, and overall, like, you know, East coast, West coast, Hawaii, like all over, which is rad Australia, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. cause like, you know, folks who think alike, you know, I'm, you know, all, all these weird text groups and stuff with, with, with rad folks pinging ideas around, which is cool. Cause it's all based on, you know, kind of ideas and stuff, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah and it, it's really cool about your podcast that you always interview someone, you know, you're always talking, have a conversation with someone. For me, a lot of times the videos are just like, um, you know, sharing information, but not necessarily an interview, which I, I kind of want to do more of that too. Um, just having interviews and collaborations and stuff like that. So, Definitely, if you ever come to Hawaii, let's do a video together. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be incredible, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, dude, I'm thinking yeah. about being out there <laughs> next month. I turn 40 next month, and nice. I'm thinking about doing a trip. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't know if that's going to happen or yeah. not. We'll see how busy I I am. But Hawaii's on the the top of the list. Oahu or Maui, you know. Um, yeah, you definitely welcome here. So yeah, we'll take you out and have a good time. Dude, that'd be insane. Uh, get my get my kid out there foiling a little bit. Um, yeah, your son's really into it too, huh? Yeah. Oh, dude, we, <laughs> he had some waves this morning that were just nuts because he's got all he's had is like this eleven hundred wings. So he's so overpowered, and you know, there's a little swell today, so he's just holding on with both hands, like high lining, you know, overhead waves on him. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, yeah, Best man. wipeouts. That's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. 
Um, no, you guys don't make a release. You... What was that? Oh, I mean, I said it's great that your son is into it. You know, my my son is kind of he doesn't really like going to the beach, and he's just like he's like a little artist performer. You know, likes to tap dance, and he's like in movies and and like theater productions and stuff like that. So. But oh, that's, cool. um, that's like his his passion, and he's not really interested in, in water sports, which is, it just seems strange to me. Like that, my my two older stepsons are really into surfing, so but it's like not, yeah, it's not his thing, I guess. Yeah, my yeah. younger son. Well, yeah. my uh, my daughter's not; she doesn't love it. She'll go surfing if her friends are surfing, but not with me. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing if you can do that. Yeah, man. All right. Well, I know that we're up against a hard stop for you, so I'll let you jet. What do you want to leave folks with? Um, and I hope that you will come back at some point because I got a lot of other stuff. It'd be fun to talk about. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Keep, keep learning. Um, you know, live your dream, uh, live your passion and, uh, and just enjoy life as much as you can. It's only very short, short time on earth really. So got to make the most of it and you know, take, take care of the planet. seems like that's, um, on everybody's mind right now, global warming and stuff like that. It's been super hot here in Hawaii and you definitely feel, feel the global warming happening. So I think we need to definitely take action on that. You know, it's been, it's been too long already that we haven't done enough. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and how do people find you? Uh, well, our website, blueplanetsurf.com and uh, let's see, YouTube is, um, Blue Planet Surf is the YouTube channel. And, um, and we have Instagram, also Blue Planet Surf and Facebook. Uh, yeah. But, or just call our shop, 808-596-7755. Killer. And are you on Instagram apart from Blue Planet? <clears throat> so um, Insta- our Instagram account is mo- mostly um, Mike and Tyler, my, my okay. staff running running that. Um, I, I I'll more, post more on Facebook um, if, if I post, but... Yeah, more, I'm more mostly on YouTube. You know, that's where I, I focus mostly on our YouTube channel. Awesome. I don't do a lot of in, not a lot of Instagramming. That I kind of leave that up to those guys. Right on. But it seems like that's where that, that's the the fastest growing um, media channel is Instagram. But I think like it's to me it's frustrating that you can't link to, you know, I, I can't link to my YouTube videos. You know, it's like how you know, and to me that's that's what I'm focused on. So to me, Instagram is not that useful really for, you know, promoting that kind of content. So yeah, they've been pissing me off a lot lately. They keep, uh, they keep telling me that my link to the podcast is not, you know, not valid or not okay with, with them. And, and they keep like taking away my link. (laughs) It's like, Oh, in the, in the the profile. Yeah. I think that they think it's like, like, you know, copyrighted content or something like that. Oh, and, uh, they keep trying to take it away, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. Cause it's very visual and, and kind of, um, yeah, but I don't know to me, I, I just don't, I haven't figured out Instagram yet. So I let yeah. the guys do it. The young, the younger guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just like it. Cause I just like to froth on all the best videos of guys surfing or foiling and then go out and surf. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, and I do check that out too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Robert. Well, dude, thank you very much for your time. I know it's early out there. This has been rad, and let's do it again. Why don't you hit me yeah. up when you have something awesome to talk about? Just just reach out, and we'll do another one whenever, next week okay. or yeah. three months. Will do. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it, and take care. Aloha.